Welcome to the Crash Courts Podcast. You are hearing me, Steve. I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. You are hearing Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And I'm John. You're hearing John. Oh, the, just to reconfirm that I'm that, that That's who you're hearing. The, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. That someone didn't just, like, overdub your voice. You're actually hearing you. Oh, wait, what? That's, like... Like, you, manufacture your you voice. You might have broken his brain. I think I, I did. You just met it all over me right there. Ew. I need a towel. Steve's got his meta everywhere. What I tell you about whipping your meta out? I'm in sorry. Public? I'm sorry. It has a mind of its own. It does. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. I'm sorry, but that's rude of me. Yeah, I, I figured it might. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, we're changing the ordering. That was the uh, the confusion uh, that you heard. <laughs> yes. Um, we're now doing who picked the album first as the introductions. I don't know. It's which a, will be interesting because then when we bring we our next guest, which will be Johnny Caligula at the end of July. Yeah, yeah no, we're going to he, He's going to intro the podcast. Well, we're going to try it out. We, it might not make the final cut, but I think we're going to force him to be the introductory voice for the podcast. <laughs> just to, you know, be like, and you just listen to my music at the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast or something Well, like he's that not a musician. He's a burlesque performer. No, but so. I'm, I'm waiting we're, for like, we're like next, oh, when we have a musician. <laughs> Yeah, they, gotcha. they have to. They have to be both. Oh, they humble. would intro their first track. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but that'd be it, interesting. Yeah, yeah but they have be. to be both humble yet, you know, building it up at the same time. So it'll be it'll be a nice little dynamic like test ah, for them. This has to be workshopped. Yeah, yeah I just bit. I don't know. But anyway, yes, this is also is a very sideways way of announcing that our July guest is the one and only Johnny Caligula, who I've worked with on at several burlesque shows. He's a, a delightful producer and performer and a, a wonderful gentleman. And he's bringing us the album from Chance the Rapper, who. We dabbled with a little bit on Donny Trumpet, and mm-hmm. who will have hear his full album. That's at the end of the month. And I'll give you seventy three. Surf by Donny Trumpet, the social experiment. Figure I'll give you an advanced preview since we actually know his album well in advance. So yeah, chew on that, folks. I've got things to chew on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's happening now. Steve, why don't you take us into what we're up to this week? All right. Well, actually, we do have something to chew on here. We are doing magma. Can you chew on magma? Yes, you I mean, can. I you mean, would die. You, you would, yeah, for, it would just burn right through you. But. No, you really, you could f- briefly. It's <laughs> briefly. Yes, very briefly. You wouldn't briefly. be chewing anymore when your jaw has melted away. I think you'd be, you'd be consciously aware of it within like a matter of milliseconds. But we are doing Magma by Gojira. I, I, I probably shouldn't say that because they might get sued. Well, Even though they actually already went through this rigmarole because they were called Godzilla up until 2001. They are a metal uh, band from France, and they were called Godzilla from 96 to 2001. And then, interestingly, they thought that a way to go around being sued was just to actually call it the proper Romanji script from Japan, which yeah. it was actually originally called, and what they would call it, which is Gojira. Yeah. Which I find interesting because you'd think that would be equally as precarious. I mean, I guess not. Maybe they're not looking for that, as long as it's not the exact symbolage. I guess it's because they thought that more money... Uh, I mean, I'm talking about the Godzilla producer now. The, the right. creator of Godzilla thought there was more money now in the anglicized name uh, than in the original Romanji uh, Well, script. that's probably true. I mean, that's considering how many remakes have been done just in this country, and how how 
quickly now new Godzilla movies are spun off into the States. Yeah. Like it's it's just as popular here, if not more. Plus in the United States it's more the Anglicized that is known, while in Japan I assume both are going to be known considering how much we throw back at them. The oh no, it's Godzilla, it's easier to say. Plus, plus there's nothing more metal than a giant reptile that spits fire and ice. So. Except, except for Mecha Godzilla. That's which true. Would He's be actually more, more intense if he spits magma. That's true. Yeah, right. which is only implied as of this as of this album. But right. still, they've been around for a while. They, um, interestingly, they were pretty obscure. I've known them since college, and I enjoyed. I enjoyed them in a kind of generalized metal sense. I never, like, dived into the band before until mm-hmm. today, which was going to be very interesting. New metal for me, but not new metal, not to be confused with new metal, because that's a separate thing. This is just, this is heavy metal. And N-E-W, not N-U, yes, N- umlaut. Like, yes, you yes, know, exactly. new metal. Because they felt they would go that way. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, some things are anglicized and some things are not. It's just stubbornly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently. by Europe. Anyway. But anyway, that's fair enough, because, of course, they are from Europe. They are from France until actually this album they just moved to new york city they're actually from bayonne but not bayonne bayonne Bayonne. (laughs) from france right right. and now they're well they actually did not move to bayonne they moved to queens right it's pretty close and they're they're the same regional area queens hey we're we're in brooklyn there in queens all right so uh hey hey let's grab a beer yeah right all right this is interesting they've they're known for doing like environmentally themed songs. It's kind of a little bit of their MO, but at the same time, it's it's like it's kind of buried in the fact that they're still just metal. So I feel like it could easily be overlooked at the same time. But it, if it's their message, it probably shouldn't be overlooked. So we are going to be looking at lyrics if, for instance, these things make an appearance here. Um, but anyway, it is composed of vocalist and rhythm guitarist Joe Duplantier, uh, his brother Mario Duplantier on drums, lead guitarist Christian Andro. Uh, excuse me for the French pronunciations, and Jean-Michael Labadie on bass. So, yeah, they've had six studio albums. This is all Wikipedia information. I like to admit that freely as, <laughs> yeah, as often as possible. So you, too, can find this information yes. if I've you do listened, not believe us. I've listened to a smattering of some of those six studio albums, but uh, I never really immersed myself into the group. I guess because it was just... I, I guess initially I was a little turned off by the name because I thought that the name was a little gimmicky because, after all, that is a really tough sell. Like... Godzilla, or at least Gojira. Still, it, it's a giant monster. I don't know. That would bring me to it, truthfully. That would I've bring you them. to it, but that's like that you're living up to not just the name, but the franchise. Mm, I guess. Considering the last few movies, with the exception of the most recent, you're not living up to much in well, this case. Well, all right. It depends how much of a Godzilla fan you are. Yeah. Although nobody likes Godzilla 98 or whatever it was. Even though it's actually technically considered part of the lore. I liked Fun it fact. when I was a kid. Is it really? Yeah, and then that uh, Godzilla showed up in the regular Godzilla and got its ass whooped. Well, of course. Yeah, big time. Yeah, well, I, oh, hey, you know what? Godzilla moved from Japan to New York City, and they moved from France to New York City. <laughs> so it all ends up here, and, well, that'll determine whether they're good or bad. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, I don't really have much more to say on them. This I picked this album mainly because they were metal and because they seem to have kind of rise up from their relative obscurity. I was actually suggested by a friend of mine, shout out, James, who um, described it in pretty much the same fashion, that it was a lot to live up to because he's a big Godzilla fan. And then when he heard them, he said, you know what? They do. So that Would you was say they have a deal. monstrous sound? As I splash coffee all over myself? <laughs> you that deserve that. I did deserve that. You totally sure. dodged incredibly all over appropriate. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So let us begin with track one, <coughs> The Shooting Star, off of Magma by Gojira. It is a brand new release. And here's the thing. For the first 
13 seconds. It's really just like this dramatic drone on sea, just mm -hmm. the heavy metal kind of warming up, flexing its muscles, and then it explodes with the pulse. All of this is what I expect from heavy metal. The drums are in on this, it's full force, and what a dirty sound it starts off with. It's just filthy. The guitar isn't so much distorted, but it's got kind of that little bit of an edge to it that says you're not in one of the weird branches of metal. It's just straightforward heavy metal with some gothic overtones, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, no, for sure. But it's nothing It's nothing terribly complex yet. It's just some head-bobbing material. We're not banging yet. We're not head-banging. It's no. head-bobbing. It's in 4-4, seemingly D minor at first for half of this sequence. The primary guitar is really just messing around with the notes right around D. Uh, if that were the tonic, it would be like up to the flat two, down to the seven, back to the one. Flat two is actually kind of very common in metal as despite seeming like it strays from home, it, it kind of is a home key feature. It's used as a home key feature in metal, sort of like a Phrygian or a Locrian feel, probably the most jarring of all traditional diatonic modes. But that was just a running theory as I let the track unfold, because even though this head-bobbing segment has kind of an instrumental hook feel to it, which suggests that D would be the home key, because it kind of feels like home here, it is also still very much intro material. There is another half to this where we kind of change the chord, or the interval rather, the bass moves down to C, the guitar moves up to G, but ironically that feels more like a tonal departure, and even so we, we maintain very much the same feel throughout this whole first minute. But it does kind of foreshadow the verse, which properly begins at a minute 07, uh, a verse that actually kind of solidifies this song as in the key of C minor for me. Yeah, that, that intro that you just described, for me, mm -hmm. I think, I struggled with it a little because it did feel like it was me repeating too. itself. On that. Yeah, it repeated on itself quite a bit, but also with my knowledge of metal, like to do that at the beginning of a track, I mean, it's not that far, and usually it builds out as it goes. And once the vocals come in with the actual verse, I love this kind of echoey haunting kind of vocal delivery he has. It reminds me of the drama that I get from a lot of other new metal singers like David Draymond of Disturbed, who's a me and John are a fan of, always delivered with this power of like he was addressing his community of people. And there's the echoey feel of this uh, vocal delivery adds that drama. And I feel like metal amongst more than other genres, really benefits from dramatic delivery because there's just so much power and force behind it. That's not the only thing that happens. The actual pacing of his work, the syllables as he goes line by line, bit by bit, changes up, and it's nice to get a little bit more texture in that aspect. On top of everything he said about the vocals, and it was right on key, it is very powerful, and honestly the first thing that really entices me to this track, mm -hmm. because that first minute and a half, a little bit on the boring side. Yeah. Instead, with this, we're getting a nice back and forth between a little more rapid and a little more slow as he starts changing on how fast he's saying this. The other aspect that is a little bit unusual is the fact that the pronunciation is so clear and so crisp, even with what's going on to the vocals. I like it. It's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it doesn't really lose any of the impact that metal does, that metal is known for when it comes to vocal work. So we're in a nice ethereal place. We're floating along here. Mm -hmm. we're, we're enjoying it. It's not getting lost in translation. It's yeah. not really pushing you away. It's surprisingly inviting for metal. I like it for actually another more serious reason than that, and that's the fact that it actually has kind of taken on a more serious feel mm -hmm. than, let's say, that first minute. Because I'm going to go on just one one quick rant on that first minute, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put it behind us. Rant but on, here's the my thing. friend. Because of the fact that it has kind of this, like, head-bobbing material, as I'm calling it, it's, it's like, it's just a minute. It's not an eternity by any stretch for an intro, because Lord knows I've got the patience. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's pretty significant when you 
you consider that their opening sound doesn't really distinguish them too much in the metal field. Personal experience, I get pretty bored just bobbing aimlessly when there's no content, and that's true for me and genres even outside of metal. I realize it's fun just to kind of rock out sometimes, but I guess I like some sheen on my metal, and this is just a raw piece of iron for the first minute. It's, it's kind of unformed and a little bit tacky, so it's a full minute to wonder what distinguishes this from the endless aisles of metal albums in music stores with elaborate drawings of demons on the cover, etc. These are the kind of tacky things that I'm a little bit hyper aware of. So then finally when we do get that at a minute 07, the, the verse section, it thankfully gets a lot more serious and I was appreciative of it. Like if we weren't, maybe blissfully is not the word, but if we were just blissfully rocking out for the first minute, then they're like, all right, okay, enough's enough, let's get serious, because I actually have something to say here. And they do get quite serious as the formidably deep and grumbly, relentless C minor doom metal bass tone would suggest beneath the vocals that you've already described. And what they say here is actually quite enjoyable. It's not misery and ruin and everything like that, but as you said, not only has the tone gone serious, but the vocals are producing some very serious lyrics. On the first light of the day, you march on. Departure has arrived, don't look back. Avoid the darkness, stay away, stay out of sight, until you feel the blast of a shooting star. That's surprisingly poetic. It, mm. And uplifting. I wouldn't say surprisingly uh, poetic, but it's so uplifting. I wouldn't uplifting. say uplifting. I mean, it is, though. It's, it's, it's kind of trying to keep you from... It's trying to convince you from getting bogged down in everything. All right, all right. I see your point. Like, I guess, like move on. Keep going. But it, it, I guess it's because the feel of the song is very much... It's, it's contrary to that. Yeah, 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 the feel of sure. it is that, well, it, it is overwhelming. The uh -huh. darkness is overwhelming. That's why it sounds so, so super serious. Mm -hmm. um, but And also, in the, kind of the way they sing... They they feel a little beaten down by it all. Like, yeah. they're singing the message, which I agree, yes, red is positive, but they're singing it in such a way that they sound a little bit There's a little bit of forlorn forlornness in it. Exactly. It's a warning, and that's yeah, yeah. actually... Uh, that you hit, you get your warnings in metal. You get that sort of like, oh, don't go there. Here, there be monsters. Kind of an idea going on, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, what have you. But here, it it actually feels like it's just coming from a place of wisdom in some ways. Yeah, and I guess even beyond wisdom, maybe because of that wisdom, it's kind of like he's trying to rouse you in almost like a military sense. Like that's how you keep them away. Like the 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 wisdom is is the call to arms, the leadership that is required to you know go through this darkness that he. He's just described because there's something in like the triplet nature here the dun 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 triplet triplet dun dun right that little that pickup to the first beat which is kind of it feels like they're in a in a course of a march here which it feels very serious you picture like this demonic army because of like that the depth of that c that c minor tone in the bass it's just it's it's uh, it's kind of effective. Like it's it. It took a minute to get there, but again, a minute is not an eternity in the grand scheme of things. So all things considered, for the duration of this verse material, I was just loving it. Yeah, and I think that that motif really carries pretty strongly through the rest of the song. I mean, from from each, I guess they're all verses. The the vocals pretty much stay the same, but carry this power and kind of marching leadership feel yeah. throughout yeah. the entirety of the song. That's the, the which is also what kind of makes it a little samey. Vocally too. Yeah, after because a while. I alternatively have described that as deadened at the same time. Yeah, so it's yeah. like deadened, but also with leadership. But maybe that's just like, you know, for me, well, it comes it, with the territory of dealing keeps, with horrible things. What keeps it alive and keeps the the music from really wearing on me because it gets a little bit on the repetitive side. It doesn't really go through mm -hmm. too many expanses. Yeah. Yeah, well, except ideas. that I was glad that the hook didn't last as long as it yeah. did in the very beginning in later instances. But the way that the vocals do keep me in 
uh, entertained and engaged with the track. It's the fact that that pronunciation idea where he goes from more of a stutter style to a more melodic style to actually a little bit on the grander yet soft and weak style. The, he, he mixes up what phrases are used where and this this allows me to, to keep it from being just deadened. It's not just deadened. Yeah. It, it does harken back to the more military marching style. It, march, it goes back to the wisdom oriented. Like it feels like it, it, it feels. I think that's really, at the end of the day, it really does have some emotive power behind it. Yeah, I just, and occasionally, it just always feels like when they go back to that hook, it's just like, and here's your metal rocking out section. Like, right, head bang, you know, or head bob, whatever you choose to do. <laughs> it depends on your level of energy threshold, you know, in a live setting. Um, but it just felt, felt a little bit departed. My, yeah. my, my focus here was, were the verses. Now, later on, we do push into something a little bit different. We do have a solo, for instance, around mm-hmm. three minutes, eight seconds. Um, kind of using the hook, but I enjoyed it more so because I like what the guitar is doing here over this. Um, it uses the hook as a backdrop, but the guitar has this kind of rapidly picking or rapidly trilling, you know, just between a single note, each of which like lasts for a full measure of two or lasts for several beats on end, much like a vocalist who's kind of embellishing how long they can hold a single note. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the guitar is doing here. There's a, there's a full melody over the course of this. It's just very drawn out. It maintains the dirgy feel of the song, though, be- from beginning to end, yeah. and that's why I enjoyed this uh, far more than, let's say, just the other, you know, plain hooks. And then following that, we get, uh, I guess, a proper bridge and or outro and or maybe the ultimate chorus, just a really latent chorus. Yeah. Around 4 minute 12 seconds, this is the, I guess, dare I say, epic four chord progression. <laughs> it's moving, working its way down the scale, uh, minor, you know, 1, 7, 6, 5 in minor. And it's, form-wise, I guess this is interesting because so late in the game, it functions more as an outro and yet it kind of has a chorus feel to it. So I guess I'm saying that it did provide kind of an epic feel to the song because of the heroism uh, inherent just in that chord progression, mm-hmm. which alone would be pretty minimal, but I have the drums to focus on here in the background, and they were phenomenal. Yeah. They the drummer is the They stepped down. forward really hard. I mean, All praise drummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this album especially, and we'll get to it, because there's even some more incredible drum stuff that comes yeah, later. Yeah, definitely not there yet yeah. for the but, drums. But, but here, it, it was a great close. Like, I felt as a whole the song was... Okay, yeah. but the close was really strong. The proper and, close was more airy outro. They have that for just a few seconds. Yeah, but. and also the way it leads into track two, Silvera, I think it, it kind of was a precursor to the kind of really intense start we get here. Uh, let's read the last stanza of that that uh, sort of closing chorus sure, outro yeah, yeah. section mm-hmm. because it's an interesting the thematic point. Everlasting love is ever growing. Hang on to what you have and let it grow. Everlasting love is ever dying. It's in the past. You have to let it go. And then the first line of Silvera is, quit moaning about fate and change. Stand up on your feet and rise. <laughs> it's a perfect connection. It really is connected well, but but the song starts, like, whereas we got a, kind of a little bit of a slower intro here with some guitar yeah. work here, it's just sound. This is a lot more metal. Yeah, <laughs> this is way more metal. So metal. A lot of that Pretty much, yeah. And this was the first time I say maybe taking the shift a little bit more towards the fear end of the spectrum. It's definitely a little bit deeper, a little bit darker, and you feel like there's going to be a lot more weight to this message as opposed to just... Fear, the fear and the unknown. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. also it's in the, um, it, like, for instance, before when I kind of, like, inferred that there was going to be, like, a Phrygian or a Locrian thing, but it yeah. didn't really settle on that. It settled more on minor. Here we are 
firmly in Phrygian, and it yeah. actually is de, de Phrygian at this point. It's it kind of has like a you know a Middle Eastern, maybe an Egyptian feel to it. That's sort of what that mode brings out, um, and it makes it feel just a little more you know exotic. You're out in the in the desert. You're in the open sands. You're trying to fight something. I don't know. It's just who knows. It's. It's just something that that I know a lot of metal has used. It's very common for metal for metal to be extremely modal, metal, yeah. modal metal, modal metal, metal modal. It's uh, I, I guess it just hasn't lost its its edge on me. And in that yeah. sense, you know, I'm not going to you know to start taking down points <laughs> for tropes. Well, also because the, I really like yeah. the guitar work in this part of the song that leads into the first verse. Because whereas in the last track it was just kind of the same kind of notes over and over again. Here, it breaks out of that a little bit. We get some more intricate guitar work that is way more engaging for me based especially from where we came from. Yeah. But with the heavier percussion, the more pervasive percussion, the, you the don't lose... short, you know, yeah. attack yeah. feel of this too. You don't lose the guitar, and I no. really like that. The mixing levels are great. It's nice, it's crystal clear, and it is very pleasant because you're not sacrificing much in the way of complexity uh, so that you're, you can really follow along with it, even though there's so much else going on. And to be able to really pick it out and to enjoy it for it's just one line, and then in the, the general whole of what's going on right there, very enjoyable, great introduction, and lead in through to the first verse. Yeah, yeah and the first verse, well, we get growling vocals. So this is my... I, I mean, it may be saying, you know, quit moaning about fate and change, but here's the thing, that the vocals are very changed at this point. You can't describe them the way we described them in the first song. Yeah, I have to say that this is the first kind of minor negative I have to the band, is he's doing your typical screaming almost uncomprehensibly and, in the verse. And, and that's the trope I, I guess I do have to kind of take yeah. some points off. And it's, I realize like, it defines them in many ways. Sure. It defines their sound and... I get uh, that it's not for me. That doesn't mean it's not for metal. I just... Yeah. I loved the way he was singing in the last track, and so I wanted more of that here. And in the had, verse, we don't really get it. I had a feeling your threshold for this would actually be higher than mine. <laughs> uh, it depends on the growling. Like I yeah. said, for emphasis and emotional impact, if you scream a whole song, I get it. And there's songs I've liked that. It's but comical for me, because so many bands do it. And we actually had this discussion back in episode 189 when we were discussing uh, baby metal and metal resistance, because there was a lot of growling there kind of interspersed between the J-pop, which, of course, is a whole different thing entirely. But still, it, it's... Uh, it, it just, it takes me a little bit out of the moment. It's kind of like breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Like, hey, we're metal and we're going to do this and you know we're going to do this. I don't know. But then again, you could also view it alternatively as it's simply an instrument. Why should you yeah. feel that way, for instance, when you just hear a guitar a certain way, which yeah. you will, of course, hear in multiple bands or when you hear just a specific instrument. So uh, I, I see an argument against it. It's just my own interpretation. I snicker a little. Um, well, and, I, and he's talking about serious stuff. That's the whole thing. Uh, while we got wisdom and sort of uh, hope, from a hopelessness kind of a feel in the mm -hmm. first track. Here he's talking about like mean things, bad things, dead bodies falling from the sky. We are the ape with the vision of the killing, a rain of shame that fills the minds. No other blood in me but mine. Like, okay, wow. it's definitely taking a turn. Yes. But Continue then, on. T time to open your eyes to this genocide. When you clear your mind, you see it all. You're receiving the gold of a better life. When you change yourself, you change the world. But, see, that's where there's a big shift, because yeah. that's the chorus. Yeah. And the chorus, yep. I mean, is the first thing on this track that I'm really getting into, because he's doing a type of sing-screaming that I... I 
most famously identify with Serge Tankin from from uh, System of a Down because he always did that. He would do this operatic kind of yelling, singing in he, the chorus. He goes from like the bottom of his and stomach. So, and this is occurring, these lines, right? This is the chorus. Time to open your eyes to this genocide. It is using the Serge Tankin operatic vocals, but it's over the hook that we described earlier. The sort of Phrygian, you know, uh, Egyptian, you know, down, down, right. down, down, and down, down, down. He's also not quite just, it sounds like it's double layered where he's singing it in one layer and then he's screaming it in yeah. the other and then they're put together. That may just be the way he's screaming it, but it, it adds this kind of, again, drama to it that I really get wrapped up in because it, the delivery has that power, that anger, that frustration. Like, and it I, should I love be, it. It should be noted that Serge Tankian loved Phrygian. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But I do want to go back. It's not Serge Tankian, like, opera level. No, no. This is, it's this just, is dirtier. This is growlier. He doesn't which, hit the high Which I think is purity. intentional because I think he yeah. wants an extra growl on it because he's trying to get gritty here. And, and it really supports that. It does keep the idea of, that was in the verses of vocally mm-hmm. co- consistent. It's just significantly more pleasant. Yeah, I just, I'm with Steve. Like, I think that the, the growl vocals here don't really work for me but I get how people could think they work for the song and yeah, so it's hard just, to argue that. In that. this case I prefer the, the chorus. Me too. So it's Same. always back Absolutely. and forth. Um, so then the solo. I mean there's a transition there's a actually yeah. Yeah. to the solo and the transition is pretty interesting because this is uh, this is the thing that I love about metal and it's the time signature changes. Mm-hmm. This The the, the manner is of, of kind of refitting the existing superstructure of, of the, the time signature with various other things little subgroups. In this case I think I don't know but I think it looks like they're putting in like quintuplets over this over this structure that I think I I don't believe uh, got out of four the entire time but that but as your transition into the solo you have this little segment where it's just like no melody no nothing it's just pulses you know yeah. dun, 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 but it's against the the former beat so it, it's uh it's interesting it's it's intense it's compelling and all of these things are things that it just I this is the rock out part that I do want mm-hmm. you know as the, with the kind of thing that I derided like in just the opening hook of the first minute of the first track you know where I, when I said I just didn't want to kind of rock out aimlessly this to me is not aimless because it's very innovative considering the, the previous sections this is what I want and then we get the solo proper 205 and I love what the guitar does even though it actually is kind of on the simple side it's nice and bright and airy right that high tone really yes. contrasts it to the rest of the song which makes it kind of like the hero and it, but it's similar in principle to the solo we got in the last track like yeah, it's just true. the guitar playing kind of an elongated melody but it is very ethereal in its way so and i it's, uh, it's really just boils down to more of just a rise and fall yeah rise mm-hmm. and it's fall. not like the ultimate climax of all climaxes frankly i thought that was really more the transition than anything else but it's a great contrast for the percussive line that's going Absolutely. on right here and does a lot to lead up to yeah. a chorus that steps in that is like as much as I enjoyed the chorus and I really like I will I really enjoyed the chorus that came before it but this one is better like in in mm-hmm. so many ways it is better because it feels more cohesive well and, and also his brighter. vocals are like really stretched like it feels like he's pushing to his limits to deliver this powerful f- like it's like a force within escaping almost like if there is a climax like we did not quite get it in the solo here in the chorus it does a lot to to really be the climax of the track the high point and really the strongest single period you can put in this track yeah i absolutely agree i mean it's a. Uh... I guess it kind of has the opposite pros and cons, I guess, as the first track did, all yeah. things considered. So, uh, yeah, all right. If two wrongs make a right, two rights make a wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm going to just mosey on to track three, which is The Cell. 
Okay, we went this from is speed metal. No, 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 no. you this already said that because we went from metal. Fast. We went to speed metal. Now this is hyper. This is sonic speed level. <laughs> Supersonic speed metal. It almost feels edited, but of course these are metal it's guys, not. and I don't want to imply they that they're not doing what they're doing. They have three drum sets and five feet, and they just go to town. Yeah, all of that stuff. Exactly. It's um, it, it really is pretty I love impressive this intro. as an intro, and this yeah. is the kind of stuff I do really come to battle for. And what I'm we're getting bit... is the guitar that ended the previous track. That mm-hmm. rise and fall nature is back here, which is another one of those moments where it's like, okay, you get a nice, almost elongated melody, almost a nice breather on top of the fastest thing you could possibly hear with a drum set. I think that metal songs, especially ones like this, like this drum section is what I want to air drum to when I'm just pretending to air drum because it's yes. just ridiculous. All you got to do is shake your arms. I mean, you flail and then you're doing it. Like When it's, it's, in, when it's innovative and it has energy to it, yeah. I mean real energy, not things within like the, the gen- when people think of metal, they think of a certain riff. That's not yeah. energy to me because that's already kind of ubiquitous. But right. this to me is very specific to them. It's uh, it's it's something that they've probably been working on, you know, workshopping various sure. different like musical ideas, musical motifs, and they make their way into the intros or the hooks of, of, of their songs. It's um it's pretty interesting. And then the verse, a little bit more grungy. This was the yeah. like the verse slowed down yeah. the pace quite a bit. Um I, it kind of does this, and I don't know if I have it a hundred percent here, but you know, this this dun dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that's quite the pace shift from mm-hmm. the opening segment. But then again, it's also these contrasts are kind of to be expected in metal, of course, because would you really, you know, you wouldn't perceive the opening uh, sound, the opening hook as impressive were it not contrasted by something different to let you know really just how fast it really was. Right, sure. I mean, also at this point, when the verse comes in, we get, you know, the screaming lyrics again. And we're at a point now here where... Yeah. The screaming is actually intelligible. Like, you can understand what he's yeah. saying, which I appreciate. Yeah. It makes it more tolerable. Still not my preference. Well, I did... He- I, I, you could pick out most words in the yeah. previous track. This one, you can really... You, no, yeah, you he can emphasizes. And also, the lyrics here are not what I would say complicated. They're pretty condensed and concise, which is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you're going to be growling them, giving short lines that are emphasized, you can understand it and even get on board with mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the first verse starts with all this evil sanctified you're not alone you're not the only one overcrowded in your brain you'll find a way out or you will fall so it's very always on the brink of uh of just slipping away letting your mind but it's very these lyrics are very paced and very concise and so at least i understand what he's saying so you're gonna growl I'd prefer it if I can hear what you're saying. Yeah, and that's where I'm at here. But what 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 happens with this track is that all we really do is just go back and forth between these two musical ideas. Yeah. Um, and the fact that well, it's just doing a no, B, not until, a, no. I don't agree with that because we do have a kind of how oh, I had a hard time calling it whether it was a pre-chorus or whether it was more of a. Um, Maybe that actually is the chorus, in which case you have to have like a kind of chorus followed by hook or pre-chorus followed by chorus. I don't know. But there's a segment here that feels a lot more more of a rallying cry. The vocals grow increasingly desperate, and I enjoyed this section a lot. Um, and then it's followed by the chorus and or hook or whatever um, from the beginning, which... I actually thought was an interesting structure, considering that I really didn't know what to perceive as like the, the ultimate... Uh, or the penultimate moment of the song. I guess I kind of felt like that was the penultimate, and then the the we began with the ultimate. We began with the the speed metal is bound to just be your your primary focus. To I'm, keep going back to. I would be inclined to agree that it does break up the song, but I feel like besides that, the song was pretty samey. Which I mean, I liked what it was doing, and it was on the shorter side, which helped. But I feel like this song just wasn't to me as interesting as two. 
it was closer to one, which is, you know, it's good, but not breaking out anything. Actually, no, I would say the first two tracks really were better than this one. Only because there, yes, there are, I'm talking like, structurally. Like, like the first we, we track said was in the first track, it was about like a consensus of the vocals were great, the verses were great, the chorus was eh. Right. And then the second track, it was the chorus was great, the vocals were eh, the verses were interesting. Yeah. There, this one, it's it's more of okay, we get it once, but it wears on you quick with that speed for for me for me. Then we get the slow down and wears on me pretty quick, and then we kind of just. We we do mostly pivot straight back to that speed, and then we mostly pivot straight back to that slowdown. It doesn't feel like there's really a whole lot besides the two initial colors that we get, the two initial textures. They're impressive. That I will give to them. Instrumentally, musically, like, the quality is there. It's just, it doesn't really seem to transform as it goes along, and that's that, that bothers me. All right, I'm going to admit that the form is not very progressive here. I just kind of like what the pre-chorus did because of the manner in which they sing, we agree, are, is in pretty much the same manner in which they sing in the verse. It's, it's the same kind of growling material, but it sounds so much more intense because uh-huh. of, like I said, it's, it's increasingly desperate. Um, and, and the chord progression also kind of maintains that feel. So then when we go back to, you know, the extremes of the opening hook, then it's like, yeah, that's that's what you're fighting. That's what you're yeah. fighting against, and that's what you hear, you know, the tension of and the strife within the pre-chorus, which is, of course, actually, I'm, I should be calling it the chorus. I just felt it like a pre-chorus because it sounds so much, you know, less intense next to the hook. Yeah. But the hook, you know, you're going to have to exchange terminology here. The chorus is, get me out of here. I've been lost in the dark. Get me out of here. I'm locked inside me. Yeah. You know, you feel the the the, the desperation yeah, of that. It's a sure. kind of mental desperation. That's why which I is said, why like, we're going to leave the kind of uh, the the opening um, description that I gave this band at the beginning. The fact that they are like environmentally influenced, which is also again it, taken from Wikipedia, and it's also been re- it's been present in their previous albums. If you look at those lyrics, absolutely. Yeah. I don't believe it's as much present here. There are times this in feels which much more personal when, when he makes nature imagery. You think that maybe there is that 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 parallel theme, uh-huh. but this is definitely more personal in this case. You see only something like overcrowded, and you think, oh well overcrowded but it's overcrowded in your mind mm-hmm. it's when things get jumbled in which case the the desperation really really comes through but that said i agree with john it's not very progressive form wise and that's kind of been an overall comment for i guess maybe these first three tracks it's not uh it's not prog metal it's heavy metal so let's go to track four stranded so- um this is interesting because all right we have this kind of uh what i keep going back to like the the duggan 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 then it concludes with a very screechy sound. This is your opening hook again. And the screechy sound this time, from like a distance or through a certain lens, it sounds like, you put it best, strangling a cat. I just, just I thought it just sounded like a cat at first, but it's like, you know, strangling. Yeah, it, yeah, there's it has a lot of that kind of pain there. horrible screeching sound, but but I love it. It's just it's doing unique things with a guitar to make it sound like the guitar is wailing, like literally wailing at you, and I think that's really cool. And the only major percussion point that's really pushing through right here is a hi-hat is a very light just symbol being tapped and that is a big change and i'm loving this big change because it's shifting the focus from the really like impressive though tiresome drums but impressive impressive is the word to the a completely different instrument in the lineup and yep. I, I love this real heavy audio shift mm-hmm. from one type of noise to another and now we're we're focused on a whole different idea we're, we're looking at that and it's 
it's stuttering and and it's and it's expressive and it really is doing a lot in a very short phrase. Well, I agree, and it also was a really it made for a really impressive blend into the opening verse because it was a nice compositional tool. That little motif of the kind of screeching feel. Instead, it's repeated a little bit softer, mm-hmm. uh, a little or in a couple lower octaves, but it's used in between the phrases of the opening verse. A growing sickness in the heart, and then you kind of hear that sound. Defective, lack of control. Hear the sound again. The cure is somewhere in the silence. To hear that sound again, but I'm crushed by the noise inside. I just feel like this song, for the f- for this whole first minute and a half to two minutes, however long this goes, where we get into the verse and make our way towards the chorus, it feels the most in sync all the elements have been. Like, yeah. I get the power and the intensity from the music, from the singing, from the pauses, though they be brief, you know, from the spacing. Like, I really feel like it's the most integrated at this moment. And this is where I re- they really got my attention in this. Because I... I started to really understand the singing style. Like, I didn't mind the screaming as much here. It just, it felt like it fit better, and that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. And then the theme change where, like, it's doing the same thing but in a completely different way, and then it's going into something else that's in a completely different way, but it remains and keeps the connection between the through. It's surprisingly... It, it goes through different phases like a chameleon. It's it's just changing its coloration, but the actual form is not changing enough for it to really disconnect from itself. So as we go through these thematic shifts, as we go through these sound shifts from the introduction and hook to the verse to the chorus, the cohesion is never lost, but it's really just shining a new light on different elements, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this trip that we're going on just musically. Yeah, I um, I in, each section is really distinctive here, and mm-hmm. it ha- and it has flow from a con- compositional standpoint, as opposed to just simply being distinctive and you know having the potential to be like separate from one another. Which you know these sections could there is always that risk. But I um, I guess I my threshold for the repetition is higher because of the fact that they seem to blend better. It feels like a better, uh, more formulated piece. Well, and they also do things like towards the end and middle of this track, these these both these emotional moments that you could consider a bridge, but not. Not really, but both times the singer sings either one line or two in a very mild-mannered kind of see, passive I actually, way. I see that as the chorus. As the that chorus, is the, okay. that as a, a Because the bridge, I believe, is at the very, very end, a kind yeah, yeah. of bridge outro. Leave me alone. So no, the chorus alone, is another day in the dark, stranded in the night, stranded in the cold. Of course, you also have the repetition of the title of the song there, so when you hear stranded, it's a pretty good you know hint that it's the chorus, that that's the focus. And it is softer. Um, and, well, yeah, there, the moment is, I was there really... is something very beaten down by that. Just yeah. another day, Hollow. another Hollow day. Hollow is the word the I had to use yeah. for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then like the other moment I was citing where the like kind of ending bridge he says leave the moment alone but he says it in this very defeatist almost kind of way like he's just got nothing left from yeah. well if you go to what might be the technical chorus cuz you see I, I, I'm with Matt that that's more of a mid midi mini bridge it's yeah. almost a bridge but kind of chorusy cuz don't the lock the door line, is also yeah, the previous Repeated. lines, don't like the door, you'd kill me face down dead, another part of me falls for you. I'm getting the visualization of doors and walls in between yeah. Yeah. us and that moment alone. There's yeah. a thing, there's something about that which also could be the chorus itself because it is something that gets repeated. Mm-hmm. I think this is, a, this is a tough one for me to really visualize in terms of verse, verse and chorus. It's all just yeah. different, different manners of, you know, focus and intensity. I think um, it's The a... fact that those are repeated doesn't kind of shake me from the fact that it feels more like content 
content. The content, of course, can be repeated. You can have verses that, that repeat. Well, and I think that that actually is a high point for the song, that we can't really easily identify those well, moments because songs. the song the song just feels uniquely itself the way it is. And we don't, we're trying to... <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> well, I think what I mean yeah. is, like, if a song defies us picking it apart easily, that's a good sign. Well, Especially if we're caught up in what it represents and it saying. It usually is, yes. Yeah. Well, like previously, we talked about how, well, I had an argument off air with Steve that the pre-chorus and then the hook being the chorus of the cell, because I was arguing with Steve, like, no, 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 the words of the chorus, that's the hook afterwards. He was like, no, the words are more of a pre-chorus and the hook really functions more like a chorus. Yeah. I like the fact that... It should be noted. There are, there are there there are like here. answers to these things. It's not yeah. as, like, it can't be, obje- it's objectively gray from an interpretation standpoint, but I'm sure they were written as like a oh, specific yeah, of course. thing. Yeah, sure, but sure, it's you know. nice that we have gray area yeah, with yeah. this sort of stuff i like that it's that we're really just there's form but we're throwing the the typical forms these are atypical forms for these songs and i'm enjoying it for that alone if nothing else yeah uh, i'm see i'm back and forth about that because there's still something about it that feels like i I almost want there to be i like the progressive elements i like things that actually move into let's say a a logical part b Mm -hmm. you know a kind of a separate movement and it's in that sense that i don't feel we're really being as experimental but there's always something to be said for doing a lot with a little and we get more of that as the album goes on as we will see sure let's see track five because this functions actually very differently this functions actually more of like well in term in an album album movement sense then this really functions as a kind of interlude or transition so this track five is yellowstone yellowstone it's only a minute and 19 seconds and completely instrumental completely instrumental and it's hard to describe this from moment to moment because the entire track really functions more as just like a singular moment. It's not like it's lighter by comparison to everything else. It still has sort of a heavy feel to it. Matt described it as kind of like a trudging sensation. Yeah. It takes me back to really classic metal, yeah. like older um, uh, heavy metal uh, in the vein of, like, of Black Sabbath. So I specifically, Metallica. Actually, even in the melody here, I like uh, in the guitar specifically I hear a little bit of Iron Man in this I hear I hear Ozzy's yeah. you know Iron Man and I hear a little bit of Iron Maiden in here too the way the kind of plucky guitar and that it's you know ringing more hollow it's kind of letting it echo out he really should clean his guitar because there's a lot of grit on this a lot of mud <laughs> on it and I'm really enjoying it but one of my most enjoyable parts is when we get a first rising crescendo it goes up it goes up it goes up and it does not do something else. No, it's and that I was fades. like, I was expecting it to go like, like full like Dragon Force uh, yeah. drum work or something like it that. Doesn't. But no, it brings us back down. We, th- this becomes a journey in yeah. that way. There's and not I really much time for it to develop, no, but yeah. it is impressive that it manages to develop so much it's, within the yeah. short span. It's got it's this an, kind it, of slow burn nature, but then it does pick up speed to develop at that moment. But then it still continues to linger, and I like that it kind of just kind of rolls off. It, it's it's, it's just, an instrumental uh, yeah. that really isn't a throwaway. It doesn't no. just be an interlude. It sets you in the, the right frame of mind for the next track. Well, yeah, despite I, being it, a relative breather for the yeah. album. I think it definitely sets up the title track next really well. I think that this, this song, Yellowstone, gives you that kind of breath and that moment to just kind of take in some nice tones, some interesting instrumentation that's not mind-blowing, but you just kind of... It's kind of a... <gasps> 
<sighs> kind of a moment, which, considering what we get next with track six Magma, I think was absolutely necessary because this one is kind of a ride from start to finish, really. Well, first of all, in terms of, <laughs> all right, starts off with an opening drone that's kind of yep. it's benign, but then we get the hook. Now the hook is very exciting. This is gonna just gotta go back to the same word. All right, but after the hook, all right, we're, we're done with that. That's just to kind of pump you up. But I'm far more interested with the verse that begins around 49 seconds. Mm -hmm. I have the threshold for, like, just getting pumped, because I'm sufficiently pumped up at this point. It's, it's track six in an album, so I, I appreciate that 49 seconds of revving up. Um, but as of 49 seconds, I did not expect this musical idea, which, again, comes out of just experimenting, and I imagine it, that that's probably how it was formed. But it's this very, like, alien-like guitar that yeah. sort of outlines a diminished chord. And it's, it's quite high-pitched. But it is so just meandering. It's like its own separate element that just came in to, to, to sing its song, you know, yeah. as, as strange as it may be. And it, it, it really persists for the, it, this entire uh, track. It, it just comes back as a recurring motif. Well, at least whenever there's a hook there, it comes back again and again and again and again. And yet it doesn't really... I wouldn't say maybe until very deep into this track, because this is a long track of about six minutes plus, but only maybe at about the end it started to grow on me a little, but in the beginning I it was too fresh, too fresh for the album for me to have any qualms. I was just intrigued. Well, and for me, like, I was intrigued as well, and then when the vocalist comes in... And then when the vocalist we, we, comes we, in, We yeah. get those melodic kind of echoey vocals we'd gotten before... But this time, they're very robotic, very halted. Yeah. And what I like about it is it, I think the guitar blends with it because it almost makes the guitar feel, like, tech-heavy and robotic. And the delivery reminds me of, like, some of the more cheesier 80s songs, new wave songs, where the lyrics were very delivered, very frankly, you know. And I think there's a sense of that kind of robotic kind of frankness here that I like. It adds a coldness that really supports the instrumentation. Well, they happening. were never really warm on this album. <laughs> no, well, that's true. But it's a different kind of coldness. It's not aggressive here. It's and just kind of subdued. Until a word shows up, but we're not going to go into that yet, because when yeah. this word shows up, I want to explain to it at full force. But the combination of the guitar and vocals does a lot to actually kind of defeat the drum work that's going on right there, and defeat it in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. The contrast between the two is kind of stark. I, you can easily pick out the vocals, you can easily pick out the drums, but for me, it was actually a little bit difficult to marry the two together. And I like that they were vying for my attention, mm -hmm. that they were competing with one another. Because when we get to the chorus, and the we get a we get a drop right into the chorus. The transition is in an instant, it's but like it, off is, a cymbal it crash. is so perfect, and it's such a great moment to go from one to the next. I can't do anything but say, "All right, now they're working in unison." Now the, the funny thing is, it actually it brings back intensity in two very different ways. It brings back the um, the dugga dugga from the yes. <laughs> from the hook. It uses that as the backdrop. You just start calling that the machine gun if you want. Why not? Daka, 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 the daka, machine daka. gun. We always need more daka. <laughs> A very slow machine gun, actually. When, yeah. when you really think about it, doga, doga, doga. That's a dramatic, you know, uh, it's a dramatic, dramatic machine firing gun. squad there. But the thing is, that's just like one element because the other area where I find profound intensity is their manner of singing and really belting at this time, very melodic. Mm -hmm. um, the chorus is, "You are now high in the sun, burn. You're away, alive on the moon." Round, but it's it, it has to do with, of course, you're you're working within D minor here, and it's stepping up uh, in stepwise fashion from like the three to the four to the five, or the flat three, we're in minor, so flat three, four, five for the U R now, and then we crash down with a very dissonant uh, 
two relative to the scale high. And it's something about that dissonance that really makes that last word just pop and you linger with it. It's, it's a beautiful melody, extremely simple, but this is one of those cases, beauty and simplicity. Well, right, and the emphasis on how it's sung is what I think also adds to that whole motif because it's it's rung out like it's high, but not that loud. It just kind of dully rings out. And then, you know, when he goes, in the sun, burn, like <laughs> dragging the word out, but adding this power that yeah. wraps up in it all only, the rest it of it. It only works for me relative to the scale. Absolutely, I yeah. agree. I think it's, it's brilliantly paired. And then immediately after this part of the chorus, we get into, I want to call it post-chorus. Steve doesn't let me call, call many things post-chorus. But there is a, a, a slight repetition of the, the general melody, but the guitar steps in oh, instead of the vocals. Guitar. And it's just awesome. Yeah. Like, it's hard to describe yeah. it any other way, but awesome. It's a great, like... Well, it's, I think it's the most intricate the guitar solos have been thus far. It just, it rings in a different way. It's short, quick, and uh -huh. dirty, and it's so perfect for what it's doing. Yeah. Um, and again, the other thing that really makes this song, you know, it, it makes it full of contrasts, I think, is because of the fact that you go from that minor feel to the extremely, like, the, the A-diminished feel of that, that alien-esque uh, guitar that mm -hmm. keeps coming back. And it's that diminished, you know, that just makes you sound like you're in another world for, this, for the duration here. It's still very metal. I want to stress that even at, when, in moments on this album where it feels like they're coming up with extremely fresh ideas on a song-by-song -song basis. Still feels it's very not metal. Like, yeah, it's still very metal, and they, they have that through line and I think that's overall a good thing um, part of me wants a little bit more textural variance but that is that, that within a certain framework that is pretty variant so uh, it depends on your threshold for these things you know I, I like variety in most forms but you can always you know kind of push the boundaries a little bit sure that makes I mean that makes perfect sense and then we go into verse two and this is what kind I, of a critique I don't know yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a critique yeah but I like this Accept song a lot acceptable from verse two, we get one of my favorite moments on the entire album because we go back to the same sort of vocals we got in the first verse. It's a little bit on the robotic side. It's a little bit unemotive. Yeah. But we get this this combination of lines. I know that all along you were doing it for, and then this word shows up, absolution. And the way he belts mm. out the word absolution, mm -hmm. he elongates that word to be as big and as grand as the previous lines, but so human and so just... I, I I can almost feel the tears coming out of his eyes. It's mm -hmm. like that strong. It's that little bit of humanity that's breaking through this more deadened feeling uh -huh. that these verses were doing. And it's such a beautiful, perfect little moment to go and finish it off with it's written in your eyes and then mm -hmm. right back to the chorus and then drop back down into that very yep. human feel of the chorus. Yep. This combination is is really powerful. And it's one of the reasons why Magma gets cemented as my favorite track on the album. It's up there for me. It's definitely my favorite so far. And then after that moment, when we go into the final lines of the track, we get a bridge here, a long instrumental into a bridge, a bridge into blah, blah, blah. It's whatever it is, but it's this long period of instrumentation that does have some droned out lines afterwards. And that, rocks out uh, and repeats. It's just, it's a great, a, a great way to wrap up this track by taking you on even more of a ride. Away, and, just want to fly away, always higher. Away, embrace the embrace the light on the other side. Yeah, it's but but that's powerful not, stuff. That's not the only thing it does. It then um, repeats the verse chorus. It yeah, goes yeah. into it again. Yeah. But the verses are 
uh, no lyrics. It's just yeah. the verse work it's the instrumentation. of the instrumentation. So now you're getting to appreciate it on its own and, mm-hmm. and feel the duality that's going on right there. And it didn't lose any of the impact for me. Because when no. it steps back into the chorus, I know exactly the where it was really going. The music's really strong in this song. It yeah, just it is. I love the way it's 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 weird guitar, weird guitar, weird guitar, and then that period comes in of of grit and and ringing out like yep. malaise of the guitar shows up, and, it, and then it's pure guitar, weird guitar, weird guitar malaise. I love these periods, and it's showcasing it in in a in a different sort of light, but still like. Basically, just hammering home how important that robotic feel really is. I love it. And then the guitar holds on a chord at the end and drones out, but then drones directly into the track seven, Pray. Like, literally, that guitar note starts the next song. And it goes into this kind of tapping intro. Like, it carries into this intro where it sounds like uh, drumsticks tapping a, on a surface. This is more of the textural variety that I wanted, right. actually. Um, well, not to say that I wasn't impressed by the alien-esque thing, but I guess right, maybe right. just because this was drum-focused, you know, you have yeah, a little yeah. bit of a, uh, a more compelling undertone here. More alluring, at least. Because it, it sounds like wood blocks or, mm-hmm. or just like sticks, you know, tapping, like tapping rapidly like... and maybe doubling the guitar mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and then also, like, it, well, actually, there's another uh, alternative interpretation. Alternative interpretation. I'll say that five times fast. Um, yeah. It's something. It almost feels like you're you're plucking the guitar, but then it, the snapback is actually against causing. The wood. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I can't confirm that that's what it is, but that's what it comes across as, and that's pretty interesting. And then the background, you actually hear a little flute-like thing very briefly that makes a quick little entrance, just to give it kind of an ancient quality. Mm-hmm. Again, that's kind of common for metal in itself, but you know what? Variety, variety as always. Good stuff. But it goes through a nice little trick that I like, or maybe I'm just perceiving it this way, but it feels like everything starts gaining clarity as we go along and complexity starts showing up. It it is a crescendo. It is getting louder and louder and louder. It's it's almost as if instruments are showing up or lines of instruments are showing up that were always there, but I didn't quite perceive them because these are slow little creeping just volume raising points that is when it hits the crescendo at about 50 seconds in it's it's a it's it's beautiful well that's when it, the crescendo culminates to your proper you like you know uh, <laughs> triple forte or whatever but yeah it's kind of like a rolling tongue maneuver yeah. like I love so that awesome. that that rhythm um and and then the funny thing and this was this really freaked me out when i listened closely is that as it does that that right there's a melody in there, or rather a little bit of comping. That guitar is actually kind of changing tone a little bit, despite that it's actually it's very faint relative to everything else, but it's kind of just jamming along that motif and changing tone. You'd expect it just to be a purely rhythmic thing, but it's 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 changing tonally, and I really, really enjoyed that for, for as long as that stays around. Yeah, and, and what I like also is that this intro takes its time. It slowly builds. We, it does, we don't go into any vocals or anything until about a minute and 28 seconds. It just yep. sits in this space and grows and gets heavier and faster and then when we get to the vocals finally he's still doing the screaming that he's been doing before but here it's delivered in this chest out kind of preaching kind of way like he's talking to those following it's, it's him pray after all yes i mean yeah. <laughs> but but i like the way he's delivering it it reminds me of and i've mentioned him a few times already on the podcast the lead singer of uh disturbed because when he addresses an audience even when he's not singing when he's just talking it's in this very delivered chest out i'm preaching to my sons and daughters um, way and i yes that it adds a power here but in a sense it is also a little bit flat like in kind of a flat preachy sense right I, it, well it's not that's a hard point to get across, but I guess it's because of the fact that when you consider these lines, you know, we pray. We pray for the light to reign. 
We call. We call the day. We rise. Pray for the wind to blow. We know. We know the way. Like, there's something about that. It's a deadened prayer, I feel like. Like, he's preaching, they, but well, he almost doesn't believe it himself. They, they, well, not necessarily. Like, chants typically yeah. tend to be a little bit, you know, monotonous. That's true. Actually, I thought this felt like he was... He was anxious. It felt. I felt anxiety I mean, I in too. the verses. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely which feel was that. different. It was pretty different because when the chorus steps around, the anger that's involved in it, the, yeah. the real, yeah. like, it's it's pretty much like borderline true rage. Well, because I, I was disappointed with that. It's a I very really nice. Me- I do want to just say I it's a very like, nice melody over those I've, lyrics. I've it's felt, a very nice melody in G minor, and he holds notes for long periods of time as he says those lines. And I did very enjoy it very much. But I I like the quality of it sounding, you know, just a little bit uh, not entirely force, forceful. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think that John's point about the anxiety feel, I think that's backed up by like kind of the urgency of the chorus feels. Like it feels like this need to get you this information. Of course, it's much heavier. And because it's yeah. so much heavier, I think that the anxiety paired with that urgency of the chorus, that power. The drums are just so impressive in this chorus. I mean, it is just flat-out speed drumming, and I enjoyed the, 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 the crap out of it. I guess the drums are just going to be kind of a selling point for me on this album. Yeah. Um, and is as to be expected with metal. But I just... The rage that's coming across, both with the lyrics and the vocals in the chorus, does make it a little bit of disappointing for me. Uh, I disagree. I think that this this track for me is still strong. I don't know that I see it. Why do you think that it? Why doesn't it work for you? I guess. No faith in your world. Create my own to thrive. No faith in your world. Create my own to thrive. It's just he's kind of like going back on all the praying and the uh, hope and well, you the mean anxiety, the, del- the delusion of it all. Well, I yeah. think it's supposed to be contrary, though. Like it I think it's supposed you're saying. to be yeah. contrary. I get it, but it's just it felt like it felt disappointing after the more unusual feeling I was getting uh, the verses. And I, I can see where you're coming from. Well, I just, I think I just didn't feel as disappointed. It was, it was the I, it purely on the vocal side, the not in, the instrumentation. It might speak to okay. the inherent uh, disappointment in prayer, you know, when your prayers are not answered. That's you know? actually, that's a, great actually point. Yeah, that's great a great point, point too. Actually, yeah, yeah, okay, you convinced me. All right, convinced so, me. way to John it. Way to John that shit. Don't okay. quite, I'm still not meshing with it 100%, That's though. fine. See, that's me for the next track when we get to it. Here, I was still kind of wrapped up in it. I mean, even when we get towards the end, there's this kind of hollowness to the outro at first where there, it kind of falls out. There, everything kind of comes to a head and I love what and then it, it actually ends on. And then yeah. it pulls back into full volume and just rocks out to the end of the song. And I thought, you know, it's again, we talk about it time and time softer. again. It did have a yeah. softer segment there. It sounded like it was kind of muffled a bit before it, it rocked yeah. out at the end. And then it comes back for that one last reprise. Yeah, um, yeah. alright. So, keeping the energy, I guess, as high as ever. Track 8, Only Pain. So, this track... I felt like the grindy guitar and drums, we've heard this kind of tone before, but it, it definitely hit the ground running. There's no it, intro lead in here. It's just, bam, here's some grindy guitars and drums in your face, <laughs> which is like, okay. I mean, power, even, even intensity, sure. One of my favorite parts about this was actually the bass, and I think it was John's too, or, or was it? I don't know. You had said you said oh, it kind okay. of a strange acoustical thing going on here. Oh, when the verse steps in, or just prior to that, the, the guitar kind of leaves and the bass takes center stage. And when the guitar kind of leaves, I've, it's it's like a vacuum effect with the sound for me. It, because it, the I, I'm very gone, right? Yeah, I'm very, very noticing that the guitar is gone. <laughs> and everything sounds a little bit more on the hollow side. Everything sounds a little more echoey. And, and it's almost like my ears are popping as this section comes in. 
it's a very interesting effect. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that there's no guitar work going on here, that there is a little bit more simplicity going on right here. Because besides the bass and the drums, there's, there's not a whole lot, and they're more repeating phrases than experimenting. But the fact that this echo reverberation vacuum effect is going on allows me to really experience the lyrics in a very different light, and that is 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 just weird it was a mind f for me i guess for me though when speaking to the lyrics of this song like i feel because we could focus on them i wanted something really poetic like the earlier songs we don't get it here i feel like the lyrics just let me down because they feel very plain they don't feel very poetic and they're not bad we've heard bad lyrics they're not terrible well, i think but... they're a little bit disheartened uh, yeah. uh, since day one you try your best to get what you need the most the solution is you becoming a god. Yeah. <laughs> Only pain, all in vain. It's just And the day you, get, you the day you get lost to the point all illusions are lost. The problem is you becoming so cold. So it's disillusionment, but it's also self-aware. And it's self-aware of one's own problems. It's defeatist too, because it's like, why try? You're only gonna fail. There'll only be pain. Well, I'm no, okay no, no, it's, well, it's okay weird. With that, it's though. weird because the solution is you becoming a god, because like that's what you have to do in order to overcome is get lost in your own world. We were actually that that theme was was prefaced in the last track, and then the problem is that you have become so cold as a result because you're disconnected by taking such a course of action. It's actually pretty... I thought that but was interesting. The, but I realized that the, the, the delivery's not, you know... Well, and the tense crazy. of the chorus, just wanted to be good, just wanted to be gold, just wanted to be God, just wanted to be only pain, all in vein. It's like he failed. Yeah. And so yeah, that's where the defeatist part comes in. there wasn't much success in, yeah. in the, his course of action. But I like the self-aware assessment of it. I now, guess... there's one thing about this track that really does kind of... I don't know if I can say save it for me, but I really, really enjoy this element. Okay. First of all, uh, time signature-wise, of course, you're bound to get interesting time signatures in uh, metal. <laughs> well, all right, most of this is in 6-4. That's not crazy in itself. You just have to kind of feel the whole thing as an elongated, you know, uh, six slower beats. But then there's an interlude, a very brief interlude, which actually doesn't have any lyrics at all. And this kind of brings it down to a 4-4 feel. And we just go through this cycle just a couple times until finally we land at this... Uh, uh, sort of it's chorus a thing. Uh, yeah, so it's now more I guess like we'll, a bridge. It's it's pretty intense though. This is yeah. take all, fear none, wake up, go strong. But what I'm really fascinated by w with this little segment is that there's each individual word is just taken as a syllable and it's screamed and it's screamed in kind of an offbeat fashion because of the time signature that has now changed completely. It's now made up of like three groups of four beats followed by a group of two. And with the screaming, if, if that's how you're going, uh, if that's how you're counting this up, then the screaming emphasis in each one of those words will be on the two and, right? So one, two, scream, <coughs> right? And then one, two, scream, three, four. And then, of course, there's that little two-beat measure that follows the, the all, all three measures of this four. You could also count it a little bit quicker. I, it depends on how you count this. You could all, I kind of also hear it as three groups of eight, of a, of a quick eight, um, followed by... A group of four. It still is the same exact ratio. Um, in which case, then the emphasis would be on the on beat three of each and every uh, each and every iteration of these pretty minimal lyrics. Take all, fear none, wake up, go strong. Each and every syllable there, scream to its utmost. And this was probably my favorite part of the song. Also because I loved breaking it down. <laughs> I'm in complete agreement because for me the guitar tone perfectly mirroring those screamed out words mm -hmm. made the words almost disappear into instrumentation and it was such a cool effect yeah 
but I just didn't like most of what else was here. It wasn't bad by any means, and I know I say that a lot, and it's a bit of a cliche, but here I truly mean it. Like, I, the song is okay. It just didn't enrapture me, like, so much of the stuff that Someone had come before Someone said it before, it. I believe it was John, that the quality has not gone down in the song at all, but there is less engagement. Yeah, that's exactly it, and that's and how I feel. It's primarily because it's it, we're not really getting different things. Like, for the past seven tracks, we were getting a lot of different things. And aside from the guitar actually being missing, and this combination of fours and twos, or eights and sixes and twos and fives, and all the numberation, and I, I was three, having fun. Th three groups no, of no, four, no. one group we, of two. <laughs> yeah, we, me and Steve were having fun just trying to figure this out earlier anyway. Uh, it's fun. I, it's I, this, is the, this is another one of my favorite things about metal is, you know, interesting time signatures, and it's yeah. kind of fun to just, like, count it up, and it must be even more fun to create them. But it's not doing anything else that's, like, new-new, that's, like, different from the previous track. It no, just it's just seems because to be it didn't, have, it didn't have the hook that really, well, hooked me. And that's the problem. There was not, not, nothing to latch on to here. The most you have to latch on to is, I guess, the a little bit more of uh, lyrical content is the final um, stanza here. I'm the lamb who was slain. It's just another offering. I reclaim the might and power cast away long before dawn in a cage left to rot. Creature fierce tamed is dying. Lost the feel for all I've loved. It's too strong. I'm going down. It, like... There's content. He, he, it's content, and it's kind of elaborating on the fact that, well, it's a downward spiral. We've kind of had that. Yeah. We've had that on this album. Um, I don't know. Magma? <laughs> is that magma? Is that, the, is that the metaphor there? That magma is uh, to slowly incinerate? I think you'd incinerate a lot quicker. Sure. I thought you shored me. I did. I don't want to shore this album, but I don't. Yeah. But no, I'm not going to shore the album. Here's but that the thing. moment. But I guess in terms of in terms of uh, lyrical content, yeah, there are certain things that I have trouble uh, reconciling with uh, the whole. So From, let's go to track nine. Yes, track nine, Lowlands, has my favorite introduction to a song on the record. I love the low drum intro that this starts with. They're kind of muffled, like under a speaker behind a pillow. And then it picks up and picks up until it jumps to full volume with guitars coming in and around no, no, no. 19 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then it really gets legs. It really it, takes it's off. It's because it doesn't just, it jumps to full volume, but then you realize that's the starting point. Yeah. It has like a rat-a-tat sort of feel like a rat -a -tat 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 in the beginning. But then after the 19 seconds, uh, that mark, it, it jumps the volume up and the tone is so much crisper. Oh. Yeah, this is something... This is the moment when this became more of a headphone album for me mm -hmm. because I actually had kind of neglected to make a point that applied really to every song prior to this, and that was the fact that I, I enjoyed this album best because we tried to do multiple listens on, on both headphones and various types of speakers just to get the, you know an overall, uh, a broader sense of how it could be applied. And I was enjoying it far more on in speakers than I was on headphones. Just mm -hmm. because in headphones, maybe you're a little bit more hypercritical of the repetitions of the tropes, you know, but then when, you, when you're in a crowd and you're listening to it together, which we do right before this episode, then you get to feel the hype so much The more, energy right? kind of surges. The energy more so. But here, it became a headphone listen because yeah. of that just that wonderful tone. Something in the resonance between the guitar and the bass, it was just, it, it was oh, extremely compelling. And I love the combination of not just the guitar and bass, but when the vocals step in and they go hollow... Oh, they send shivers up and down my spines. Yeah, I love everything that's going on here, and this is the first time I'm gonna I'm gonna just go right up front and say this is very much an A B A B situation that goes on here because 
the chorus comes in. The chorus is a it's another one of those moments where there's a drop and it's cool and it's awesome and it's on a moment mm-hmm. and what comes afterwards is just as good that was just preceding it. Yeah. Because the chorus is nice and slow and this is a case where the nice slow contrast is perfect for what was coming right beforehand. This this burn, this kind of just, you know, meandering feel that's going on it's a great little breather, but at the same time is the contrast, at the same time is, it's it's an oddball, but it feels just too cohesive to really say it's a separate idea. Hmm. And also, this song goes back to lyrical delivery that I prefer from this singer. We go back to the echoey vocals we've gotten on a few other tracks, but here, they just feel so much crisper and tied to the tone around it. And the vocals for the, the choruses, I guess, also have that same tone and intonation, and it just, it makes this kind of neat package. And, and of course he's actually singing. There's no yeah. growling present yeah, yeah. here, and exactly. I always prefer them when they're singing. And then it, after the first chorus, it goes back into the A, and a lot of times we come into those problems of, well, when A goes into B, it was good, but when B goes into A, it's not so good, or, or vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. In this case, uh, no, Seamless. no, they were both great Seamless great transitions. Drop, drop yeah. Um, yeah, the part B was a lot softer, but they, they carry over various motifs, always good stuff. What I like about the part B, too, is the drums begin to stagger here a bit. Like, they were pretty constant through the most of the track and then in this part B they, they kind of play a little like they're still a little constant but they take these moments to kind of step out and show up showing the star that is the drummer in this album you know he takes his moments to flare and they they don't take away from what he's creating until the C section comes in and we Which go I, A, I, B, yeah. A, B when the C There's steps up more of a proper C here I believe it's still considered a, a verse but it, it it is very it's, it's alternatively formulated it's not really the same musical structure mm-hmm. and I loved everything about this segment. The cohesion is phenomenal. I love the vocals. I love the tone. I love the drums. Everything, everything. It becomes this is, so this is what I want in metal too. Like this, this is, is the one you let your hair down and you start shaking your head. Absolutely. You, and, it's, and, and it's elongated. It's big. Yeah. It, it goes through a very percussive experience in its mm-hmm. beginning, but as it builds up, builds up, the, basically the band just goes, all right, we're going to jam out and be awesome, yeah. and here's what you get. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had broken down this, this section a little more, so, <laughs> but this was, um, I was just enjoying it too much, and I and I, uh, I let the ball drop. But It's still, fine. You don't it's, break it's, down every it's, it's sound good stuff. ever. It's good stuff, and it takes us right into good the stuff. solo. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Good hey. stuff. Hey, 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 they're, they're from Bayonne. Yeah, it's good stuff. They're from Bayonne. They're not. Yeah, they're Bayonne. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like that. Wait, say that again, Right, Steve. but then they go into the solo, and the solo has has so much more force to it. The solo is, I, I guess really this was a, a more proper solo, considering, mm-hmm. remember the solos that I described in the first and, and second track, you know, where they were just kind of doing these elongated melody things, where they were just, like, it was mostly over the course of the span of measures or beats, and it wasn't like in a proper solo solo. So this is more of like proper solo, and I, mm-hmm. I guess I kind of appreciated that they finally delivered this. Uh, I guess everyone in, in the metal community is waiting for this. Yeah, and they really earned it with this track. The, the yeah. build-up to this was just... It, it, it fights with me to be better than Magma. But there's one thing that does happen after this solo and the end of the track that, that uh, well, is before very that, bothersome. Before that, before we get, I think I know what you're talking about. But first, we do actually kind of have uh, a repeated stanza here, which I believe actually function, functions as a kind of latent chorus or a chorus part B. And that would be all the voices trapped underneath the ground, let them all go in the sky. Find the power lost underneath the ground, let it all blow in the sky. Um, and then a similar a f- structured stanza, all the voices trapped in my head, let them all scream in the night, find the power lost underneath the ground, let it all blow in the sky. So, that's the note that they leave you, well, 
not leave you on, but those are the last lyrics you have to contemplate, and I imagine they choose a specific, very unexpected structure in order to contemplate it, and that is an acoustic outro? Well, it's not just an acoustic outro. There's a pause. Uh, it's a There's a measurable distinctive pause. pause where yeah, you feel if you were not seconds. watching the track bar that we would be going on to the next song at this moment, but that's not what we do. Instead, guitar comes back in, but it's not an electric guitar. It's an acoustic guitar, which I don't think we really heard much at, if at all, on this album, and kind of just serenades us out of this otherwise monstrous track. I, I don't know. I, I think John is, is a little more uh, dubious on this section than I am. I still uh, thought it was... Dubious is putting it lightly. I still thought it was pretty. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Pretty would not really uh, define too many things on this album. No. And maybe it's for that reason that I liked it and enjoyed the breather. I said earlier that variety is good. But I have been the first at previous times throughout the history of this podcast to make claims of as pretty as it is, as nice as it is, as... As clever of a musical idea as it is in its own right, it may not necessarily fit with the whole. And there is an argument to be made here, and I believe the argument is that it's kind of a little bit of a cheap shot. Because it's that thing in metal that a lot of metal artists do, they they save those really, really soft tracks that are purely acoustic. They show their folk side a little bit, right? And in this case, they didn't even wait for a full track of it, even though we will be getting that. Um, this is just... An outro, just a few seconds, but kind I think, of a preview to it. But the strength of this outro, yeah, is just that. It's a, str- a strong preview to track 10, Liberation, which is the final yeah. track on the album and an instrumental. And while I, I would argue with John's point, I think... I didn't make my point yet, so you make your point, and then I'm going to argue Fine. With okay. Well, what the argument I know John's going to make. Well, just as far as Don't your argument... my argument. Your Don't, argument... Do that well, no, you made an argument. You said that that change at the yeah, end makes this song not as good as Magma. I and didn't I, even get to say that yet. Really? No, I you didn't. didn't. I said it off air. Oh. I I think that that cheap shot, that cheekiness, which you can you can be cheeky. I like cheeky. We've talked about it on air, and I like it when bands go that little extra mile and give a little bit of a thumb in the eye to the listener. This this is just too blatant, too obvious. The fact that there was a 15 second pause, the fact that it's more of a hidden track, I guess, to it, or a hidden outro. It doesn't add anything to the song. It barely recognizes the previous melody, if at all. It's not expanding upon what was built beforehand and considering how cohesive Lowlands was, where it was really just building upon uh, theme after theme after theme, but presenting it in such a I'd different light. I'd be surprised if there was actually a connection to the previous melody. It would be... It'd be- funny because occasionally we do make these mistakes and then you remember we hear such a, a yeah. different structure different texture you know you could it kind of masks the fact that maybe it is actually based on on a previous motif uh, but that said i think that the argument that we're having right now is really an argument on the fine line that is what is taste and what is not you know the tasteful acoustic outro in which we've so many times argued as oh, or, or lauded as like just the the creme de la creme the cherry on top of the album that on the piece Right? And and it's not here for John, and it is more so for Matt, and I'm kind of in the middle on it. Like, that's that's what we're arguing, and it's it's that's a really tough thing to argue. Well, and, and I would also say that I think the reason I'm in favor of it is because of the track we get after it. I think it's a yeah. great transition piece to the final track. And I, I'll agree that it is a good transition piece to explain the next track. But this next track, Liberation... It's acoustic twang. 
It's rhythm, bongo style, kind of aimless. And Feels it, tribal. The bongo has come in a little bit later, but yeah, it starts off with just the... It's funny. Like it sounds not just even acoustic guitar, because it's, yeah. it's so loose. It's yeah. it's muddy. It found it feels like someone just sitting in his armchair, just kind of plucking. just plucking or away, or even like tuning, like like trying yeah. to get the right sound for each chord. And I, then but, when the bongos come in, it is obviously a little more uh, fully structured. Uh, but the funny thing is, it's not a pair I hear too often, like a pair between guitar and bongos. And yet it seems so intuitive. They're both very easy to carry instruments. But it seems like something I should be hearing like in a in a, in a coffee shop late at night or in a in a low key bar with music venue late at night. Um, that's the manner in which I should be enjoying this, which is not anything I'd apply to the grandeur of the rest of the album. In that sense, there is a shift, and yes, we get metal tracks like this. That's just, the, I guess the precedent was set by Metallica. I could be wrong that they were the first, but um, it's been popular ever since. You know, I'd far, be, far be it from me to cite this album as the one that breaks the camel's back, because it was also, I don't want to describe it as one of the pack. It was uniquely beautiful. I, I really enjoy this track. I think that it, it sets a tone that, for me, for a theme of the record, the fact that there's all this stuff built up and these outrages and these outbursts, this is kind of like a letting go. Well, let me be specific. It, it also, because it had such a great flow to it, you mm -hmm. know, between uh, the, the guitar and the bongos, and also because the guitar it seems to be mostly in harmonic minor, so there is lots of contemplation in that. I just happen to love, like, the interval setup with, like, the last few... Uh, uh, tones in harmonic minor, the interval setup between like that half step, whole step, half step that is right in a row. I really, really like the way he solos over the, the, that particular um, cluster. It's, 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 it's hauntingly beautiful. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that this was a great way to end the record. I think it adds an extra point. This is a dramatic way to end the record. And considering... Well, dramatic. <laughs> it's... Tone that back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's impactful to me. I think emotionally the music resonates with me. I think it kind of shows... Like, if the last song was about the Lowlands, this to me sounds like the soundtrack of the Lowlands. Like, being out in the desert. Being in a flat plain. And, like, that kind of tribal feel. I think it's connected. But, and here's the big but, Lowlands wasn't about a place. It was more the idea of hitting rock bottom and then expelling your demons. And I see from a thematic point of view, I will concede this, that the track itself fits that story. But as far as art goes, this is completely out of left field. It does not harken back to any of the tightness we were already citing with the album. We were actually saying it was a compliment. Steve was saying that staying within a certain fear in a lot of ways can help an album and you can stay within metal and not really push the boundaries and still sound great. This, this is not metal. This has nothing to do oh. with metal. Well, except for the fact that metal is born out of classic rock, which is where this leans more towards. Yeah. But, but, I know, but no, beyond the, that, beyond thing. that, beyond that, uh, to your earlier point, you were talking about more in, like, in terms of the, the, the soundtrack nature, and it's true, yes, uh, that the previous track, Lowlands, is not describing a place. It is a more of a, a state of being. But you can, st let me just take a stanza from the previous track in order to uh, elucidate that. While you drift away from all the plates in, of this world, uh, you're put out of misery. Giant bones hurt. You won't have to face it again. Every step of the way gets you higher. And then the, the last two stanzas, which I, I, I mentioned earlier, um, all of the voices trapped underneath the ground, let them all go into the sky. It's kind of like all that tension was absolutely released in this final track. It's what the album, in some sense, had kind of been building to. Now, you could argue that maybe it could have, should have been done more in the metal framework, but I don't think so, because remember, this is a, a, a point that I made sort of in the middle of this album, and it was kind of that... Like, 
probably something that's going to come back in my wrap-up, and that's the fact that this album, in some sense, it, it, it stretches itself and it pushes the boundaries within metal, but it had never really kind of like been that perfect middle ground between genres or creating its own feel, its own sound. Like I would know, I'm not sure I would pull back and identify this as Gojira, but then again, I also don't know what, what the band is, but it also took me just one album to know what Godsticks felt like, right. you know? And I guess that is the one thing that, that I was, this was missing, but just a step of the way toward that, a step of the way toward that is to make maneuver like what this last track did. But why, and this is where the big question shows up for me, why do something as tropey as making it the last track and make it the resolution of the story that had been progressing here, the, the malaise and the, the bubbling magma that was this album? This album was firmly identified and it knew itself in its metal, metal origin, in its metal roots, in its metal feel. This, while thematically, yes, does a good job of being a resolution for the album. Arc-wise, it's completely deviant from everything else that came beforehand. Now, had we got this deviance earlier, had we gotten asides that they did go acoustic, this would have been perfect because they would have previewed it. I would have been prepared for it. And that's not taking away from the fact that it is a beautiful track. It's nice. It's low-key. And it really does a lot to center you. But as far as the album goes, it's like they're writing the postscript in a different language. I don't see this track finalizing the album in a positive light because it just feels to me to be from a different genre completely. Not even just a shift from the metal genre to a combination of metal plus. This feels like it's a folk track. A folk track on an album that was 45 minutes, 40 minutes of metal, distinctively metal, identifiably metal, and not just a type of metal, not just new or heavy or old school or something like that, but seemed to be drawing from a couple of different branches that seemed to be, yeah, pushing metal, but pushing out into the different ideas that metal can be. This was folk. This was something completely different. And up until this point, I was going to give this album a solid 4-5. Like, it really wasn't doing anything different, but it was very enjoyable and very experimental within a very strong, confined area. And I liked it for that. It was quality, quality work. But this did a lot to break up the arc for me. It did leave me on a very sour point. In spite of the beauty that we're getting here, in spite of how nice and peaceful it is, that that was nothing. You can do peaceful with metal, but here it just felt to be too big of an oddball out. So for that, I'm going down to a 4.25. It really did a lot to spoil it for me. All right. I guess, I mean, I guess I can see that, John. I just don't agree. Um, first of all, first counterpoint in my wrap-up is saying that there's no connection to that at all doesn't make any sense because we got a 1 minute, 19 second track that's more mellow than what they had been doing and this was more mellow than that. It shows a de-evolution of rock and roll or, yeah, de-evolution from metal to kind of classic metal, classic rock to this folky sound at the end. It's showing a diversity to their ability to play rock on all its forms but they lean more towards metal. Also, a chance to possibly show homage to their heroes of the past. The one counterpoint would I meet, I make would be that Yellowstone was still identifiably metal to my ears. Between the percussion uh, yes, and the guitar, yeah, sure. I would say it's still using the same metal idea. Sure, I, I don't. I just don't feel like the final track is so separate. But anyway, let let me get into my wrap up first. Counterpoint aside, 
I think that as far as a metal album goes, this is the most engaged I've been with a metal record in a long time. Um, I mean, we also have dabbled in metal on the show, but most of them, which should have been metal metal, were not. Both Judas Priest and Black Sabbath, though at least Black Sabbath we enjoyed, both of those albums were decidedly not metal enough. They were disappointments. You know, him, I made the mistake of claiming was metal. That was on me, not the artist. Um, you know, it's just we brought some metal on here that just either didn't live up to the hype that we expected or we had no idea what we were getting into. Gojira is another case where, at least for me personally, I had no idea what I was getting into, but I ended up latching onto a lot of it. I'll say flat out I don't like the singer singing when he's screaming. I don't. Most of the songs that have the screaming singing, I am unimpressed with. Um, when he's sing screaming or when he's just singing are my favorite tracks. I mean, Lowlands, Magma, Tracks like that, I get really invested in because he's you really get a breath of how beautiful his voice is. It, I really think it's a beautiful voice. And using the sound effects they use on it really just gives it this really unique quality. The majority of the singing is not that. So then I turn to the instrumentation, which is phenomenal on this record in many places. The drums here are the kinds of drums I love. You know, fast, intricate, unique, doing interesting things. I thought that the, the end of the album, Liberation, was beautiful. I think that it fits to the theme, and I thought the theme was very strong for this record. I just don't know that I got in as invested as I wanted to. I definitely got invested in moments, but as a whole, I just I don't identify with the screaming, singing. When it blends with the instrumentation, it's great, but I think at that point that I'm just listening to it as an instrument. I'm not going, oh, this is great screaming, man. I love the screaming. Like, I just, that's not the thought process. So... I'm going to ding this for that. I think that he's he's not using both sides enough. The majority of the vocals here was screaming. There were a couple songs that were sung and I thought were beautiful. I think if he split it 50-50, it would be more powerful. Maybe on previous records he has. I don't know the breadth of their work and they have a ton of records. I just, personally, when I come to metal, I'm not looking for someone to scream at me for 10 to 15 minutes. And there was a lot of that here. But I agree with John, they are doing tons of great stuff within the framework they're built within. And as far as metal, recent metal bands go, or recent metal albums since they've been around for a while, I think this is great and I would love to hear more like this. Like, I would choose this over the legends of Judas Priest and Black Sabbath anytime because I got so engaged with this record. So for me, I'm kind of around the same place as John, but I'm a little more forgiving because of the theme and arc, and I feel they are connected, even if John doesn't see it, you know, which is fine. I get the disparity. I just, I still think it should get bonus points for because I think it's pretty tight. So for me, this is a 4-3-5. You know, it's not a 4-5. It's not a 4-2-5. It's not a 4-4. It's somewhere 4. in... 4.35. Yep. I'm doing it. I'm breaking ground. Oh, if only, if only I could talk to the Matt of I've, uh, of 2012 right. early in this podcast. Right. We're getting on me for just for picking tenth of decimal points, yeah, and now you're down to the hundredth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But anyway, I, I think that they're a very strong band. I totally. This would get me to go back to their older stuff. Like anything over a four two five is like, oh, I want to go check out their older stuff. Or I'm rating it just based on the talent, and I don't want to check out their old stuff. But it's not. I'm not interested because they suck kind of a thing, although that's pretty pedantic. You know, but I, I think that they've impressed me here, and I'm actually, I've been looking for some more metal in my life because I haven't listened to as much as I used to, and I would definitely go check out their backlog. I'm a, I like this record. I think it's got some great stuff. I just, I don't know that I'll go back and listen to this record a lot because the screaming wears on me. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. On to Steve. So I didn't, I didn't really want nor need more metal in my life. 
No, there's, I didn't. It's a fair it wasn't. Point. It wasn't where I was at. I guess at this moment, so I picked this mostly off a friend recommendation, and I guess I was pleasantly surprised, um, considering that yes, there is, there are a lot of tropes in metal, and I have been pretty critical of them, especially considering that that may be uh, sort of on the lower side of the kinds of things that we reviewed. They would have to be something more like prog metal, or would have to be things that are closer to other things, but merely borrow metal elements. Uh, for, I guess, us traditionally in some of the albums we've looked at to really be wowed. Um, and this is the first time where it was just kind of all metal, and, uh, yeah, we had to rate it on those grounds, which meant we, we couldn't, like, anchor ourselves to the other thing. And yes, that does, I guess, come back to the biggest trope in the box, and it's one that Matt already discussed at length. The screaming, I'm with him there, doesn't really do anything for me on this record, and it does comprise most of the album. I like their singing. I wish there was more of it. And I, I can only kind of ditto Matt on that point. Um, I guess I should readdress uh, the argument that we were having earlier, me and John. And that is, of course, the how this last track factors in. This is really a non-entity for me. And that's why I'm surprised that we had an argument for as long as we did. Because it this also falls under the... Uh, under the list of tropes that metal is guilty of. But, all things considered, this is not one that wears on me. It is actually less, far be it from as, uh, a trope, a trope as it may be, it is a eye-opening breather of a moment on uh, metal albums that most metal albums avoid far too often, or delay far too often because they're sort of too stuck in their own head. And it was pretty delayed here. Yeah, we had some softer segments. We had nothing like what we got in the telltale end of track 9 and all of track 10. And I was thankful for it. But does it really help the album as a whole? No, and that's not what I was arguing. But I don't believe, uh, as, as John had cited it as a bit of a minus mark for this album, and it did factor in for him, it is, it, I'm leaving at the door here because it is just one track, and it is kind of a little bit of that... Eh, too, too, uh, too little too late. I enjoy it, but that's that's about all I'll go. I, I, I believe the core of this album, and it should be rated as such, the core of the album is, well, the majority of the material, and that is why absolutely I'm with Matt in saying that the screaming is a big problem for me. It is not, it is not innovative. It does not show off anything particularly unique for this album within the metal field. Again, it goes back to the thing I said in the very beginning. There are rows and rows of metal albums in music stores. Entire sections are just filled to the brim with them, and a lot of times it's the cover that bothers me most because the the album art is just filled with like very beautiful, right? The the album artist should be lauded, but you know some of the covers are just they they bleed from one to the next because it's all the same like uh, you know insert demon here, demon there, skeletons here, skeletons there, and it's just like uh, all cut from the same cloth in some way. I, I am kind of with you, Matt, in that I don't hate screaming in all instances, but it really takes some special variety of it to, I guess, break the comical barrier. Um, and then, you know, by farther into the album, it's not even comical anymore. It's just kind of like, all right, enough already. It's, it's another instrument, and it's just there. I like their singing, though, and when that's present, it does a lot for me. I like when they kind of mess with the form a little bit, but they don't do that a lot. I guess overall what I'm most impressed with uh, in this album is their instrumentation. It is not the wall of sound that so many metal albums have been to me, and it is the, in that that I do believe they, are, they do attain the four. They attain the, the, the good to great album because of the fact that it is mixed phenomenally, and it, it, it has breath marks. It doesn't overindulge in too many things, um, except the screaming. So, honestly, I don't think... 
Argument aside, I don't think I'm as high as you guys. I think this is a 4.1, and it is because of that, you know, that one thing that they were really, really, really good at. Um, but I'm not seeing, like, giant checklists of that. It's, it's, it's not something that I'm gonna go- I'm only gonna go back to it for, I think, a couple of tracks. Magma and Lowlands, and maybe little pieces of the earlier tracks. But other than that, it's, yeah, I'm kind of playing up the sectional barrier game. I wanted more fluidity as a whole, and I wanted more of just a core sound, I guess, that made me feel the identity of the band, and less as a good metal band. I want to feel Gojira. Um, I guess. I guess I'm rating it from a place of hope for metal since I just have been a lacking. And so I rated it higher because though I don't like the screaming, the songs I don't like the screaming in, I like other parts of the song. And identity I is very it. important for me, and that's I one area that. where I don't rate identity under the umbrella of said genre. Fair I enough. always rate for identity, period. And, uh, you know, that may rub some people the wrong way, but uh, 4.1 is not a bad rating. I expected no. this, you know, those aisles and aisles of metal albums are, are threes to twos, yeah. to be sure. This is this is damn good, and they seem to be getting better, because I think I heard them briefly, like, several years ago. And like I said, I have a few of their albums, and I listen to them all maybe only once or twice, and they didn't grab me as much then. This grabs me a little more so, so I think they're tighter, you know, because they're, they're in Queens. Yeah, because they're in Queens, <laughs> right, they came to New York. I don't know. So, the... Term metal, without really hopping on a segue too far away from where we're wrapping up here, um, there's a lot of offshoots of metal, and we've cited some on the show, but just to give you an idea of the depth of how many branches of metal there are, I will read a few. Alternative metal, avant-garde metal, black metal, Christian metal, death metal, doom metal, extreme metal, folk metal, glam metal, goth metal, Grindcore, industrial metal, Latin metal, metalcore, neoclassical metal, post metal, power metal, progressive metal, speed metal, stoner metal, symphonic metal, thrash metal, traditional heavy metal, and so on. <laughs> you forgot one of my one of the weirdest ones you could possibly come up with because of its name, math metal. It's not listed here. Maybe it exists. Math metal, mathcore. You take grindcore. <laughs> you only and you got add one. You only got of, one list. Yeah, you got, you it's got, quite you, a list though. This grindcore. is Wikipedia's heavy Grind. metal genre list. But you take grindcore. Okay, you take grindcore. You take math rock, and you put them together, which is weird because then you get mathcore. And did I, I even hear doom metal in there? You no, did. Yeah, you okay. did. I said okay. doom metal. Okay. But you know, you'd be interested. Like going off of John's point earlier about how oh, it sounded folky, so it's not metal. Folk metal is a thing, and I there's a band but, I really see, like that's in folk my metal. Argument. It's not o- folk metal. It's, it's folk. folk. It, was it was folk. There was no but metal. But like Odeth is a band that I got into thanks to Joseph Matones, a former writer of the site um, and a friend, who took me to see Odeth, and they were phenomenal. And they were folk metal. They used folky instruments, but they fast and hard, and created this genre within metal that I didn't even think was possible. You'd think they'd be too opposite, but it works really well. And the reason we're bringing this up is we've had discussions on rock, pop, alternative, terms like this, but metal is a interesting super genre. It actually subdivides itself pretty rapidly to very, very specific styles. And these styles tend to be very easy to identify because as soon as somebody starts taking something like doom metal and starts throwing in, I don't know, drone metal on top of it, you're going to get another name. It's almost like metal fans, heavy metal fans, have to come up with a name to describe each band's individual sound. But that's actually, in a lot of ways, to its credit. Because when you start talking about uh, something like Speed, or Doom, or Black, 
you actually can almost easily identify uh, the me, sounds can, themselves yeah. right away. Yeah. You know how speed metal drums are going to sound, and they're going to sound a lot different than doom metal. So saying one and saying it has the guitar of A and the drums of B, you can already, you know, satirically or maybe even a little bit rudely, automatically picture it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think that... You know, metal, went, like punk, which we haven't talked about on a genre level that much yet either, but like metal, I think, really gets personalized pretty easily. For, for me, an example is like Euro metal really bleeds into a lot of different places, but like the, the genre of Euro metal I really like is something called love metal, which really exists. There's bands like, you know, Symphony X and Sonata Arctica who write these emotional, emotional tracks. Actually, wasn't but that what, fast what him was technically under? Yeah, but him him, yeah. him isn't really metal. It's like new metal. It's in it's that also maybe too poppy. Yeah. yeah, but like a band like Sonata Arctica, their lead singer, always wrote tracks from the heart about heartbreak and loss and family, but it's sung really, it's it's played really fast and sung at a high-pitched, shrill, like, operatic voice. And it, so it's metal, but it's about love and family and all that stuff. And That's so, why they had to give it a name. Right. But, it, but but the so for me, I like I like how personalized the genre gets. Uh, the per okay, the genre gets personalized, but at the same time, the second it gets personalized, in other words, the second the identity shifts, then you have the problem of the genre's now changed. And now people come up with a new name for it. The funny thing is they're not so tenacious, it seems, the, the genre namers, whoever they may be. It's just a, <laughs> a mysterious high council of genre yes, namers. It's in the top of in like a citadel. And they sit around and they decide, you know, what the genres will be and what will be set on all music stores all throughout the country. But the thing is, it seems to be very specific to metal and maybe a few other areas. It seems there's more leniency applied, let's say, to rock, you know, for instance, the, the way in which people just gotten lazy with alternative rock. Like, if, yeah. it's, if it's rock, we'll just label it alternative because I'm just tired. I'm just tired today, and I don't want to, you know, focus on how this is different. I don't want right. to actually think about it. Um, and maybe that's better because it also says that they're less light rock bands are probably less likely to fall into the same tropes as metal bands because there is that idea of metal that is so specific and still really is under the even the, the greater supergenre of rock, yeah. right? And then as people continue with those same tropes, then they can change it how, how, however much they want. They can try to be as individualistic, but yet something there in their sound is always going to pull people back to that metal sound, right, yeah. that they are. And they're always going to have that, whether it's a prefix or, or a suffix, it's going to be metal. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but it does speak to the fact that I like metal more as a tool than as a genre. I like it as the inverse of, I guess, what it's typically used as. People who say they like metal usually mean they like the genre and they like a bunch of subsections of the genre. Maybe right. they're more particular there. I'm the reverse. I like other genres that use metal as a tool that use it as a textural motif and also as a maybe a, a, a poetic motif because there are you know metal lyrics I suppose and and certainly they go back to vocal delivery like for instance the screaming that we've been talking about. Well, some of the ones that we've actually mentioned today, progressive and post rock, are technically not just metal. They're more fusion genre metals. All right, but that's I have another an anecdote thing. on that. Well, let me, let me do yeah, my thing, and then you can do your anecdote. Uh, even new metal is technically not just metal. It's, it's a fusion. 
it's actually more of a fusion super genre it than was a fusion genre. New metal it, really is when when metal that wasn't Metallica, Megadeth, or Iron Maiden came out, they didn't know what to call it, so it was new metal. Like yeah, that's really like, where that came from. It's where you borrow a little bit more rock and roll ideas mm-hmm. or rap like, ideas or hip hop ideas, and it's new metal. Yeah, it's metal with something else. It's it's metal with something new. Right. Oh, uh, like these are these are very specific fusion genres. Yeah. And they're they really do at the same time fall underneath the metal umbrella and their other umbrella, whether it's rock or folk or punk or blues or what have you. It, it, they tend because they do use a lot of the same ideas that are present in metal, and those ideas tend to be extremely strong themes or strong ideas. It's hard to, for them to lose that metal word and become something different. That's true. Well, let me talk about an instance in that case where I feel it is more a case of metal being borrowed rather than metal being the, the factor that governs all. Uh, post-metal. So that was in your list. Yeah. And post-metal, obviously you've heard me discuss post-rock before, and post-rock, you know, tends to focus a little more, I think, on the softer, more delicate, emotional side of rock. You know, using guitars more as drone instruments, more as atmospheric instruments. Mm-hmm. And yes, the same does apply when you, I guess, throw in the word posts, as, as vague as that is, and when you apply it to metal, too, the same thing is done. But it's just to, to metal instead. What I feel is that this is more of an identity than anything else, because inherent in the word, I guess, atmosphere, feels like they're creating their own, post-metal bands are creating their own thing. And that's what I hear first and foremost, rather than, let's say, I hear a metal band. I instead hear like, ah, oh, that's kind of a, that's, that's a much heavier section that they just went into, and sometimes it's even more raw than some mm-hmm. of the, you know, most blatant heavy metal bands that I've, that I've witnessed up, into that, up until that point. And here's an example. Um, this is a band that actually I probably talked about it a few times in the past in the podcast, although not recently. And it was a band that I, my roommate in college got me into way, way back. And it was a band called K.O. Dot, which kind of opened my eyes to, I guess, what metal was capable of. Even mm-hmm. though I'm pulling the faux pas here because I'm implying that it goes from metal to this and not sort of backwards. <laughs> but this is a band that I felt was so inward in, in, in a way that, that defied, I guess... Defied labels in some sense, but obviously what that ends up, what that ends up with is a lot of labels that people want to ascribe to them because right. you know you just have to have a long list and even just to get close to what they are. And yes, they uh, used avant-garde metal, right? They used uh, chamber music, in fact, because guess what? Violins show up, yeah. cellos show up, all forms of instrumentalists show up, and the guitar is messing around with the the bare the 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 final frontiers of what the guitar can do without being a synth which you know with the right amount of pedals you know it pretty much can do whatever and i was just in love with what the band uh, was doing at least around the time of 2007 i'm not kind of, i'm not thrilled with where they went because the the reverse side is that like i said they tend to be even more intense metal so raw to the point that i feel metal doesn't even do it justice i think they've kind of became noise rock at times and in those areas you know uh, you have to have that separate argument but all of this says that i'm i feel that metal is really more of an anchor than anything else. I don't think it's a, uh, you know, once we are a metal band, it will open up into wonderful things. I think it's more of an anchor pulling people down and pulling people back into the, into the trenches. That'll piss off a lot of metal fans, I know. Not demeaning the genre. I'm just saying always, and this applies to everything, think of your art first. Don't think of the genre. Well, sure. I mean, and what you're talking about, like, reminds me of the first time I ever saw Trans-Siberian Orchestra live. Because literally, it's an orchestra with electric guitars. But because it's an orchestra with electric guitars, which are typically not present, a full-fledged drum set besides just a percussion section, you can do stuff with that music 
that you couldn't do with just metal. I mean, Metallica did it with S&M. And, you know, TSO is awesome. <laughs> but yeah. they're also yeah. metal first. Yeah, they're they metal are. first. We're using, and of course, they do their Christmas songs and everything, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll apply just about anything and metalize it. And they're fully aware of the joke. Right, yeah. I mean, it's meant to be cheeky, but it's also fantastically done and and, and, and well-made. And But I think what in I'm that trying... Case, well, in that case, it may just uh, be the fact that a lot of metal artists have a sense of humor about themselves. Well, like I, sometimes, you have to. Sometimes it is just audience baiting. Like, you want to hear that, that flashy solo, you want to hear those those crazy runs, then, well, we're going to give them to you. But I think also it has to do with the fact that metal is just a very versatile genre. I think the fact that we can look at it on either side, what you are saying and what I'm saying, is because the genre itself is very malleable. Maybe that makes it less of a genre and more of a identity, then so be it. But I think what's important is that it seems very malleable. It feels very much like you can blend it with other things very well. And I think that's why I like metal so much is because well, metal I should can, be malleable. You know, that's uh, that's metallurgy. It's just it's the fact that I think that's why I love and hate metal so much. I think with genres, metal is the one that I find myself being the most divergent from a midpoint. Like there's some metal music that I absolutely hate, and then there's other metal music that I'm infatuated with, and I think it's because and they sound the, exactly the same according to your parents. Right. But it's just one of those things where I think that that also adds to the versatility of Actually, it. like what exactly what I said, I think, in the very beginning of this album, in that first minute, and how I described it as a raw piece of iron. And yeah. I prefer personally prefer a little bit of sheen on my metal. Wow. All right. So, so yeah, that, so there we, end of discussion. We prefer metallurgy. We don't like metal. We just like uh, metallurgy. Okay, so if you've learned anything today, listeners, it's metallurgy over metal. Metallurgy. Tell that to people and see how they react. Yeah. And get back to us, because we'd love to know that we coined a term. We'd be so honored. Right. Well, steel is stronger than iron alone. That's because it's that's true. right. That's true. And also it's has, it has less, less oxygen, oxygen impurities. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you take two things and put them together, they become stronger than they were originally. Mm-hmm. This is just my metaphor of the day. Huh. Well, I like cast iron, too. It has a certain, I don't know, certain it's, old it's, world feel. Well, no, not only that, but it's also, it takes the flavor after a while. So if you are really good at cooking, like, eggs, you take out that cast iron pot, like, right away, your eggs are going to start tasting great. True. But even when, like, rails were made out of cast iron and you had all the curlicues, beautiful, like, 19th century stuff, beautiful stuff. I'm wondering when so Matt's going to try. So, our spam comment of the day. <laughs> spam, How about we do that? Spam yeah. comment. Of the day, and then we will go into what it's my pick is for next week. Of the day, spam. Hi, I log on to your new stuff named 59B Sympathy Daily. You're up the good work, and you can look for our website about cheap North Face jackets. That's from Cheap North Face jackets. It's summer, dude. I mean, I guess if they're not in New York, well, they're yes. cheap. They're also cheap. At least they're this time they cheap. were honest. Like they, they were commenting on your picture. And they said, we're My commenting picture? on your... No, well, a picture. Remember how oh, it's usually... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the spam bots never comment on a post, or at least, you know, odds, the odds are, since we have probably more pictures than we do uh, Actual posts, posts, just because we usually have three gallery photos per post, then they're probably going to comment on a picture, which yeah. counts as its own post, technically. Yeah. So, at least this time they told us, you know? Yeah. They just said, I, I enjoy your picture. Very informative. Can you disable and they comment, comment on it daily. pictures? Nah. No, why not? It's not an option. Well, we just disable spam bot comments if we just catch them. Yeah. But I, that's why I catch them and sift them and read them. Yeah. Mm. So I don't delete it. I care about our spam followers. You're I the do. only one. <laughs> anyway. All right, guys. Clearly, so. you do too if you let me continue this charade. But that's true. <laughs> 
I don't even remember whose idea this was. I feel it, like was, it, was, it was mine. It was like yours? Okay. I couldn't remember whose some, some of the spam were just so ridiculous, and yeah. I found myself laughing. You know, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Yeah. yeah. We can't all, like all life. we can't always every week read a three-page comment from Star F. That is true. I mean, if he made them every day, then we I, I would endeavor to if he did. Yeah, that's true. Whew. We would. Anyway, um, so next week, I'm picking a band that's a blast from the past that's come up quite a bit on the show. And yet we've never reviewed them. I think their last album came out uh, right as we were starting the podcast, but I didn't pick it. I had thought about it. Well, there's a reason it. we didn't review the band. Is this because they didn't have any music uh, except for the beginning? And we were well, like I said, within the first, yeah. yeah. We had issues picking our first few albums. And don't listen to the early albums. We talked about this at the 200th episode. Yeah, the don't first rule of Crash Chords is don't, don't listen, listen to the early episodes. Yeah, don't listen to the <laughs> Though I would argue that 25 on were pretty solid. But anyway. Yeah, it's around 25. I push it up. It's in between the two. Anyway, this week's pick by me is Blink-182. They're back with a brand new record and sans Tom DeLonge. And the album is called California. Um, still, Travis and Mark are in the band. And I don't remember the new guy's name. I will know by next week. I'm promise miss Tom. Mm, eh. He was the easier one to sing along with because my voice at well, that age he... was more accurately that high pitched. See, whereas whininess. I always sang with Mark because mine's deeper. Like I Mark preferred says. Mark singing. Like that was oh, yeah. that's just growing up. He always had the better songs. I he think. Did. Um, but anyway, we're going to take on Blake 182, who I've always been a fan of and actually liked their last album, Neighborhoods, which came out in 2012. I glossed over that. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I'm excited take for a new record. Take off your pants and jag. It was like the, 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 the tipping point for me. See, after that. I, I don't agree. Recognize I'm just going to not show up to this episode. This is going to be a U2 fest. Cause no, you, don't, but, you know Blink and you've known him for a long time. Yeah. I, I have been a third-person observer to Blink. Yeah. You don't have to be the Weezer kind of thing. You don't, don't, you don't have to go through their discography if you don't want to. Although, I mean, you did it for John. John's done it for you. You could do it for me. I'm just saying. Ah, uh, oh, you pulled that card. I did he pull that card. He pulled that card. I did. Actually, know what, know what should happen? I think one of these days, Matt should do it for one of us. Because he hasn't just well, he hasn't done it Well, it's worked all. out that for, all of the bands yeah. that you've liked your whole life, I have too. For a lot of them. Well, that's not true at all. In the, in the smallest possible way, and I have like not just for you, like December is not have to do it because audiences I all of it. can stop this podcast now. Yeah, that's <laughs> this true. Is just no, where we we're, we're going to keep going on. I mean, we really do have to get Matt to do this. Like just again, down like one Steve day picked it, one of his favorite bands. I already knew their discography, December is. So like, I had an in. I started this podcast. I'm going to end it. And remember, folks, music is life, and, and life, life is good. good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.